0: Why is the phone ringing?
1: Uh, we, we don't, don't even have a phone. We don't
0: even, it's not even connected. Hello? Uh, hello? Uh, uh Joseph, is that you? Hello? Hello? Hello. Oh, hey! Is is the, this a secure line? It's a, it's we don't a, even have a line. This is the Doc and Carolyn podcast. Uh, a podcast? Um, okay. Um, what's it about? Well, I'm Doc Kilgore. I, I'm a I'm a retired police officer and and a and retired broadcaster.
1: I'm Carolyn Kilgore, a nurse practitioner.
0: Yeah, and we we basically just do you know health stuff. And I'm sorry, sir. Who are you? Um, well, that's not important right now. But. Uh, I will say I do like me a good podcast. So uh, if I find the time, I will definitely listen to the Doc and Carolyn podcast. That does sound like a good time. But I'd say in the meantime, uh, I got to get back to preparing for my uh, third term where uh, I overthrow the government.
1: The Doc and Carolyn podcast hey it's your girl texas City here with some more fun facts about texas the frozen margarita machine was invented in dallas in may of 1971 by converting a soft serve ice cream machine i'm texas City, proud mom of a texas law enforcement officer back to the
0: blue you are downwind of the Doc and Carolyn Podcast. Welcome to the show. Episode eight. Now on your plate.
1: I don't think it's good for your gut health. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you uh, want to say anything about that phone call?
1: Mm, what phone call? That's
0: exactly right. On the Facebook report this week, we celebrate
1: a T-shirt giveaway.
0: Pass the hat. Time for the drawing. This should be easy. There's only one entry and the winner is
1: Jeannie Wood from Highlands, Texas.
0: Oh, congratulations. Jeannie, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I simply must have one for me. Just check the website.
1: Check out the website at the thedocandcarolinapodcast.com. Coming
0: up, the NP is in talking about glyphosate.
1: Glyphosate.
0: That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Everyday people segment. We have. You know, you wonder if you're being a little bit self-indulgent if you create your podcast and then have your child on as one of the first few guests. But I tell you what, he's earned a spot in that chair. He's a, a
1: special kid.
0: Well, he is. He's he's a bright, accomplished young man. He's Uh, before the age of 30, done a whole lot in the world of finance. And here's something most people don't know. You used to babysit my little babies. I did. Yeah, we were both working at the radio station KWWJ in Baytown. I was the afternoon DJ and you were the office manager. And their biological mom had just passed away at the age of 33 from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So four-year-old and a little six-month-old and a baby bassinet, I would take them to the radio station to do the show. You looked after them.
1: I did. And Kenneth and Shannon, our other son, who has also been on the podcast, mm-hmm. would play.
0: So so look at the grown-up version of Michael now yeah. as we get to our Everyday People segment.
1: Last week on the in, we spoke about insulin resistance. And one of the things I advised was to avoid grains because those do contribute to insulin resistance. But another reason you may want to completely avoid grains, one word, glyphosate It's better known as the active ingredient in Roundup, which is a weed killer. And most glyphosate is used on... On corn and soybeans because those have been genetically modified to be able to withstand it but now more and more it's being sprayed on wheat, barley, oats, beans things that have not been genetically modified they are spraying them right before harvest to dry them out. Um, a few things that glyphosate can contribute to as far as your health and increased risk of cancer they are also endocrine disruptors which means they can affect And one thing that it does, men, is lower your testosterone. It can also play a part in celiac disease. There is a correlation with autism, and they and it absolutely alters your gut microbiome, which, which can in turn impact your immune system. And last but not least, it's also a neurotoxin, which can cause inflammation in your brain, which could be why you get brain fog after you eat a meal full of grains. So my recommendation is to avoid all types of grains altogether. I know that's a huge ask. It's not easy to do, especially with the American diet. But if you can just start making changes even slowly, one thing at a time, it's going to make a difference over time. And you're going to start feeling a lot better. The NP is in does not give medical advice. Please check with your own provider before making any changes.
0: All right, what you got next week?
1: Next week is a list of the EWG's Dirty Dozen.
0: Michael Kilgore is in the building. Welcome aboard, son. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Those are some
2: nice words. Let's let's talk about your beginning. So tell me what you do. Let's kind of start there. Yeah, so... Um, So it is a little in the weeds. So I'll try to kind of uh, simplify it a little Mm -hmm. bit. The listeners and just, I mean, even myself, it's good for me to be able to articulate what I do. So my job title to start is a private equity senior associate. Um, maybe it'd be helpful to explain what a private equity company does in general. Private equity companies buy and invest in private companies, um, and their whole goal is to grow the companies and eventually exit or sell them at the end of a five to seven year term. So, you know, I think most people understand what public equities are. You can just go in the stock market and buy shares of stock sure. of public companies. You're ownership in that company, but a private equity company has the ability to buy shares of private companies that aren't listed on the stock exchange and publicly available to, you know, everybody on the street.
0: First time I've ever heard this, maybe many others.
2: You're saying the private companies, you can also buy stocks. How is that niche possible? Yeah. So I think with our private equity firm specifically, our firm basically earns the trust of private business owners and then buys shares of the business, uh, directly from the business owners. Really? So it can be a founder owned company that was founded by some guy in Texas 60 years ago, has grown it to a certain level. Mm -hmm. Maybe he or she is looking to exit the company. Maybe he or she is getting too old to run the company or or they want to do something else whatever. Right. right. And doesn't have, you know, necessarily a family member that is willing or capable of running the company. Yeah. So they're looking at their exit options. Mm-hmm. There's one that's, you know, that the company die, which usually isn't what this business owner wants to do because they care about their employees, obviously. Another option is, you know, if you're large enough, you can go public, you can sell your shares publicly. In do IPO. An IPO. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or you can find another party that wants to buy the company. And that's, and our company looks for opportunities like that.
0: Oh, okay. So um, let me ask you this. When, when you are optioned to buy sh- shares quote unquote within, within that company, is that something that's available to all private equity firms or is that a one-on-one like a very binary relationship between you and the business owner or are all private equity firms
2: in on the feast when, when it's available to be bought? Yeah. Um, It depends. I mean, we would much rather be having direct conversations with the business owner and building a relationship. And we would be more likely to buy the company in that case. Okay. It's like buying a house. Parallels to buying a house are very, very much there. I mean, it's similar to, you know, hiring a real estate agent to sell your house. Yeah. In that case, you know, they're going to go out to the market. They're going to put it on Zillow. They're going to bring, right. to bring you know, 20, 100 people. Does that happen? It seems house. like that would happen every yeah. time. It just depends. <laughs> I mean, that that process is obviously a lot more involved for the, you know, in this case, uh, home seller professionally provide all the information to everybody uh, in a package, you know, deal and yeah. work with and also pay the real estate agent. Yeah. Yeah. But some business owners, I'm going to switch to the business owner side, just want to deal with one party and negotiate with one party, aka us, the private equity firm. Mm -hmm. And it's just a little bit, it can be a little bit less work if you're working directly with the private equity firm rather than, you know, doing a hundred meetings with a bunch of different private equity firms and deciding which one is best. If you, I mean, that's why I say it comes back to, you know, us earning the business owner's trust um, from the offset. How did you get started though? I mean, as you know, I was a golf caddy in high school. Mm -hmm. I was working, carrying golf bags at the local country club. Mm -hmm and I'd say their curiosity was kind of piqued by who these guys that I was kiting for were. And I would just ask them questions about what they do and how they like it. And I would explain kind of what I was interested in, in school and high school and say, like, how does that, you know, translate to a professional career? So you're 16,
0: 17,
2: asking these
0: successful people playing golf in the middle of the afternoon, presumably, or mornings or whatever. And you're digging
2: into their head and gaining information. Where did you get that from? Does somebody tell you to do that? Honestly, like I was trying to be a good caddy. Like nobody wants a caddy that's just sitting there. Well, I mean, some people do actually do. Some people want a caddy that just doesn't that, talk to them at all. That isn't chatty. Yeah. yeah. Some people want a caddy that, I mean, I just felt, I felt that their responses were pretty positive when I asked these questions. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to provide the best service possible. Like this is what they like talking about.
0: That's very interesting. What's the best advice you ever got? Can it, it Was there a moment that you sat there and said, wow,
2: that was good, you know, or maybe even in hindsight, you look at it that way. I don't have like a enlightened <laughs> quote to give you. Yeah. I mean, it was just a, you know, a culmination of. Yeah. I and mean, it was, it was either going to, you know, I would, I would suggest going into finance or accounting based on your background or based on your interests. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think most people said that accounting was just more boring. They just said like being an accountant is like kind of boring. So like maybe just going to finance, there's a lot more like versatility and you can get. So that was, I mean, some good advice, I guess, and no offense to any accountant. So you got an academic. McEvans Scholarship. That sent
0: you to Miami University, Miami of Ohio. Tell me about that experience.
2: Yeah, no, the the campus is beautiful. I really... I went to go visit Miami in high school. I think it was like my junior year. Um, thought the campus was beautiful. Really, that was all I needed to see. I, I saw one school and I saw that, you know, getting the scholarship could send me to either Miami or Ohio State. So I didn't really care for, you know, the whole Ohio State football fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were a little in your face. Yeah. So I decided, <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, looking back now, I, I wish I would have, you know, looked at it with with not a high schooler's head. Yeah. Um, because now, like on Saturdays when all my buddies Cheering for Ohio State, and I have to sit there and like. So I don't have much to do.
0: That's funny. The Evan Scholarship—that's a pretty prestigious thing
2: to pull off, is it not? Yeah, it is. As my as my friend Christian said, a, a, it's randomly a caddy scholarship, so it is only awarded uh, people with strong caddy records at a country club that offers the scholarship, strong grades, strong character, and financial need. Mm-hmm. Or the four characteristics yeah um, and then you get sent to you know one of I think 15 or 16 schools in the US and you live with 40 to 60 other Evan scholars who have the same scholarship and same background basically yeah and I mean, you live with them all four years and I mean to this day uh, a lot of my long-term best friends are from the Evan scholarship um, and also it's actually worked out in my paper uh for my career too like it's it's actually helped me get jobs in some cases too so you
0: found out you got this scholarship to the farmer school of business at Miami. I remember when you got that letter, uh, very proud and you were happy, obviously. Tell me about that process. You go from being a high school kid. Now you're going into a a freshman in college. Tell me about
2: what that first year was like, what it was like preparing to go into that program. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't think I had very much preparation. (laughs) I think (laughs) I was just happy to be going to Miami. Honestly, Miami, I think from my high school was the most attended college from my high school. Well, so, so your circle, everybody was talking yeah, about so, Miami. Yeah. So I was coming in kind of with a leg up compared to, you know, the other Evan scholars that I was living with, I guess, socially. Yeah. Because I knew a lot of people from my high school going there and a lot of people from Cincinnati. It was only about 45 minutes away from, you know, where we live. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of just went in with, you know, a lot of contacts and, and knowing a lot of people and didn't know anything about finance at the time. Didn't know much about anything I guess I mean I was just going through my classes similar to how I did in high school yeah um so I mean, freshman year was, was fun. It was it was nice, um, but I'd say socially it became a little different second semester uh, freshman year because because you uh, were balling. You start balling then. No, 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 no. because first semester actually uh, all the freshmen are like independent. Non- nobody's in a fraternity or a sorority. Yeah. So um, actually, like we were like the coolest kids on campus because we had a house off campus and we were able to like have people over and stuff like that while everybody else had a dorm. So everybody would like come over to our house and it was like great first semester and then second semester when everybody joins fraternities and sororities our Evan scholarship was kind of banned from joining fraternity or sorority um, because it was supposed to you know be a fraternity in a a sense so then it was like I lost a lot of friends like a lot of people joined their fraternities and then they just you know kind of went their way and had a you know separate group and then that kind of continued on for I mean a lot of college I mean it was still a lot of fun I had my group of friends that kind of made me closer with my Evan scholarship friends I I would I mean my close friends now probably said they didn't know me, you know, first semester for, uh, freshman year, but it really made me focus on, you know, who I was surrounded with and made me grow closer to them.
0: How interesting. People that know you, you're, you're, you're never flustered. You're just a laid back cool cat. That's just you. So I can see you kind of, you know, kind of moseying in, in a way. When was the moment, and there had to be one, when you're sitting in that classroom and you're like, man, this is, this is real life. The questions are hard. I need to come up with answers for them. Was there a moment like that? I, I, I'm thinking there has to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, it probably was pretty late in my college career. It probably was, you know, around senior year. Oh, really? Yeah. Like honestly, I let's see. I went to, I went through freshman and sophomore year. Kind of just doing my classes, no finance classes whatsoever. Oh, okay. Then I got back and I went to Luxembourg. I studied abroad. Yeah, tell me about l- Well, let, let's stop there for a second. <laughs> so tell me about that. So you went to Luxembourg and where is that? Luxembourg is a small European country in between Germany, France and Belgium. Okay. Tell me about that experience. You sh- you land there and get off the plane and you're like, hello. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, uh, Luxembourg was, I would say, a little bit like being back in high school because oh. it was a small 120 person campus where we went to class in this Luxembourgish castle uh-huh. every single day with the same people, uh-huh. um, and hung out with the same people every night. Um, I had six of my closest seven scholar friends also went with me there. And then we made some of our uh, closest friends to this day over abroad too, considering yeah. we were going to class with them every single day. Yeah. Um, and then also on top of that, we were traveling every single weekend, um, to go to different countries around Luxembourg. I mean, there's not too much to do in, in Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Um, if being such a small and central European country, it's very easy to take the train or take a plane, um, to another country. So, so what visit. countries did you visit? Uh, let's see. So we visited Spain. We went to Barcelona twice. We went to Italy. Um, we went to Switzerland. We went to Sweden, Denmark. We went to, um, Budapest, Hungary. Uh, we went to London. We went to Ireland, um, so all maybe, over Europe, a couple others, just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was awesome. It was, it was amazing. Like for example, my first weekend there we went to Barcelona. Uh, a lot of people went to Paris because Paris is like the closest big city to Luxembourg. And I was, I was like, okay, well I know in the back end of the trip, I'm going to be traveled out. So I want to like make it to Paris by the back end. Like I don't want to do that as my first trip. I just want to like jump in and go somewhere far away. Yeah. Um, And then I never made it to Paris.
0: Oh, it was just, have you been there to this day? I still haven't been. No. That's so, Funny, you've been around the world. You literally have, and you didn't, and you haven't been to Paris. That's where you wanted to go. That's so funny. I'm
2: sure you guys are planning to go. I don't know. I mean, it it still kind of has that feeling to me for some reason. It's just like the most like accessible uh, European city. I feel like that everybody goes to. Yeah. And I, for some reason, that makes me not want to go there.
0: You're in Luxembourg. You're studying there. I must tell a, a parent story. Michael's in 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 Europe. He's on my account, so I'm watching your your spending. And I kept seeing this Venmo guy. You know, you were sending money to Venmo. Right, and I'm like, who is this Venmo guy? You know that keeps you keep sending you know sixty bucks here and thirty bucks and hundred bucks or whatever it was. And I'm like, man, the dude has gone over there and gotten on drugs, man. He's got a dealer. His name is Venmo, and he's sending him money every week. And I think, did I ask you about it? Did I finally? Did I ever ask you? or was this all in my head. I'm not sure. I think it might have <laughs> been in your head. you figured it out before asking. <laughs> but I said, I was like, man. I said, what is going on here? And then I think, um, I think. I did ask you about it, my recollection is that I did say, hey man, who's this Venmo guy you keep sending money to and you're like, uh, dad, that's a, (laughs) it's a cash app.
2: That was the birth of Venmo. That was when we first started using it and it came in handy abroad for sure.
0: So you're there, you're studying. Um, At that point, do you have a
2: a, a clear idea of what your career is going to shape up to be? No, no, that's, uh, that is where I was going with that uh, lead up because I guess first semester, junior year is typically when people start taking you know, finance classes or taking your major classes or, and start, you know, doing some recruiting and stuff like that. Um, but I, w- I was clearly abroad, so I didn't really doing any of that. We yeah. didn't take any, fi- they didn't offer any finance classes abroad and I wasn't recruiting while I was over there. So when I got back, I took my first finance class and, uh, started interviewing. I actually went back mm-hmm. in Cincinnati at the country club that I studied at mm-hmm. was kind of talking about the new, they were, they were building a new Evan Scholar's house at Miami Ohio. You got to and, be in the new house. Yeah. And I was going to, you know, talk to the members about, you know, donating and how the Miami house is, do, is doing and kind of what we were doing on campus and that type of stuff. So then after that talk, I came down from the podium and on my way out, somebody stopped me and he said, that was a great speech. Like, thank you for, you know, uh, talking about the Miami house. And I mean, it, it's great to hear all the great things that you guys are doing. Here's my card. I work at PNC bank. If you ever, you know, or interested in an internship you know shoot me an email and we can you know get you get you started or get you in contact with the right people in HR
0: no kidding yeah. So just some ra- random guy watches you
2: do a speech, is impressed. Yeah. And drew a business card. That's how you got the internship. Yeah. Speaking of that, I probably should reach out to him sometime. Because, <laughs> uh, that yeah, that was how I originally got my first finance internship. Um, ended up reaching out to HR and interviewing. And you know, it was my dream actually since getting to college that I that I wanted to move to Chicago. Yeah. Um. I know I know you had lived there in the past. I had been there for once for a senior trip in high school, and then a lot of my friends from Miami were from Chicago. Yeah. So it was kind of my dream to move there. And this, internship inter- interview process. You just interviewed with geography, not chosen. And then you had to like mark your, you know, number one through seven cities on yeah. where you wanted to live. What, what all did you mark? Uh, I think, I think it was between Chicago, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Charlotte. I think, I think Chicago and Charlotte were probably number one and two. Nothing in the South. Very uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. well, PNC is a very Midwest bank. Okay. Um, so okay. there were only so many cities to choose from. Yeah. But Chicago was my number one. Okay. And ended up getting in. Um So I moved there for the summer in between my junior and senior year. Um, Is
0: that the trip? Now we,
2: we moved you up there actually. Yeah. Uh, and that was, we stayed
0: in a hotel where the international men of leather, leather, the international men of leather were having a convention. Do you remember that weekend? Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs> that was madness, man. Me, you, Kendall, Carolyn. Yeah. And these guys wearing chaps
2: with the butt out. And it was just madness, man. And we and that, that's a hotel we stayed in. And then now now we hear that, you know, my fiance Cam, she uh was actually at that conference too. Not not at the conference, but yeah. walking by and saw the conference. That's so funny. Your yeah. connection,
0: your your connection with her is so interesting. You will, we'll sidebar for that, but yeah. So you're both in Chicago uh, at the same time, I guess. Yeah. Like, at the same time, but never met each
2: other in Chicago. Was, until we moved to, LA. to
0: some extent, weren't you, weren't you guys kind of in the same circles also? Uh,
2: mutual not, friends? Not really, honestly, uh, um, because she was in law school at U Chicago down on the South side um, in Hyde Park. Yep. And I had actually never been to Hyde Park before oh, okay. my entire time living there. Okay. Um, okay. I was living on the North side in Lincoln Park. So we I don't, we didn't cross paths other than knowing that, you You know, we both walked by the International Men of Leather conference, (laughs) and you know, went to a couple of the same bars. Yeah, okay. We'll get to Cam in a minute, but so you internship at PNC. Yeah. What what kind of experience was that? Yeah, um, it was cool. I mean, I was living in Chicago uh, for the first time for the summer. That was great. I had you know a lot of good coworkers, a lot of good interns. Uh, intern friends. It was a very structured program um, at a large, you know, regional bank. So that was good. What I was doing was working on the corporate debt side of things. So basically large public companies, you know, need loans for to service their general dealings. So if they need a byproduct, they may need a loan for that mm-hmm. and then they can just pay down the loan. And they're making so much money that like, it's always like they're always going to pay back the loans. For the most part, there's yeah. really low risk. The interest rate, are really low. The work-life balance in that type of job is very good uh, for the most part. I, so- I, on your end or the corporate end? on the corporate end uh-huh. on the on the corporate debt side of things gotcha. where i was working at the time mm-hmm. and it i mean everybody that i worked with at pnc was extremely nice like mm-hmm. i really enjoyed working there and that was all i knew about finance at the time as well mm-hmm. um so at the end of the summer you know you go you would go in for your year end re- or for your summer end review and they let let you know if you have a full time offer to come back um and they did let me know that i had a full time offer to come back which i was excited about Yeah. i felt that i could kind of you know slack off senior year because I already have this job offer there. I mean, you know, the rest of my college, you, were, you really felt yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I was like the rest of my college, like, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. I already have this job in Chicago and yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Did that's your grades, did your grades suffer? Um, I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit for first semester, senior okay. year, yeah, okay. maybe a little bit. Cause I was still in that mindset, um, yeah. that I, it just didn't matter. I already had this job and that was going to be my career yeah. and it did, didn't matter.
0: I don't um, know if you remember this. I asked you, uh, we had a conversation about your time at PNC and you, in the one, complaint that you brought up is kind of funny. You said it's, it's almost like they don't take it serious. You said that they would knock off at two o'clock in the afternoon
2: and say, Hey, let's finish this meeting at the bar. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's why I eventually ended up leaving. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, but it's interesting that
0: you're such a, but again, that, that speaks to your character. You're such a serious minded person that you're most people would love that environment but it didn't quite put the brakes on that's a wrap on episode eight in episode nine we continue this fascinating conversation about private equity finance with michael kilgore private equity senior associate at century park capital partners the dr carolyn podcast is for entertainment purposes only and the exclusive property of dnc media llc